Happy after Thanksgiving. I expected this class to be a little short in um, attendance because I know many people are traveling back. So I'm really thankful to be here. Thanks for a couple things. Thanks for sticking it out. I know it's lengthy, a lengthy book to kind of go through, and that's just <laughs> sort of how I do things. So I'm not going to halfway do it. It's like everything you would want to know about what I believe is probably right here. And when I was thinking about coming back to this class, I realized this weekend as I was prepping and praying about what, what do I want to cover, because there's several chapters left, and these guys were gracious enough to say, cover whatever you want. It's like picking your favorite child. I was like, oh, I want to teach this, but this might be easier on its own. And so I really picked um, two chapters to cover today that kind of work in tandem um, in my mind, especially when I was writing them. But I realized um, even Friday, I started to have this kind of emotional response to coming back. And I was like, this is familiar to me. Like, what am I feeling about returning to this class? And I immediately thought, years and years ago, my husband was in medical training. He was in residency. He was an OBGYN at the time. He later became a women's cancer doctor. But he was in his residency. And during that season, I ended up with a benign tumor. And so I had to go get the tumor taken care of in his workplace with people that came over to my house for dinner. And if you know anything about tumor boards in residency, they literally have a board, like a big wall, and everybody's tumors are up on the board, and you're checking people in and out. In HIPAA, it's, it's anonymous, but there are initials, and all of our friends were like, yeah, we, we, didn't, we didn't know which one was yours. And I'm like, except our one friend that was close to us. And he was like, oh, yeah, we all knew. Like, <laughs> JB, Jen Barnett, there's no other JB up there. That thing was gross. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And so that was the feeling that I had coming back. Because it's like you go through this book, and you're, you're going to realize quickly that there's some, there's some stuff in here that I've obviously navigated and continue to navigate. But I also hope that there's like, restoration in here too. So it's almost like you're seeing the tumors, the x-rays, this is who I am in this book. And so it's a little daunting and slightly vulnerable to come back in and say, hey, you've, you've read my life essentially and what I believe. Um, with that though, if I'm here, before we jump into these chapters, I would love to just give an opportunity. You've made it through chapter 12, I believe. Yes. Um, Good for you. Way to go. Spiritual warfare right before Thanksgiving. That, that was setting you up right for whatever you, you walk through this week. Um, and I'm hoping today sets you up on the off-ramp of Thanksgiving, too, with extended family talking about burdens. But I just wanted to open it up for questions. Like, do you have questions or thoughts? Or as you've walked these chapters, like, oh, I wish I could ask this. I'm here, and I would love to answer any and all chapters. So I just wanted to give some moments to do that before... We dove into these chapters. I'll just wait for a moment so you can just backtrack in your mind. Yes. Yeah. Um, how do you think about the difference between entanglement and sin? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I feel like after reading those chapters and talking here, I maybe have a little bit of an idea, but at least initially, I. That sort of felt confusing yeah. and not like something I really thought much about before. Yeah. No, that's a great question. It's one of my favorite to answer just even in light of what we do in Freedom Prayer. 
they're very closely related. And so you don't have to make a huge demarcation between the two. Where sin is, hey, I'm knowingly rebelling. Like, I know what's right, and I'm going to choose not to do it. Entanglement has pieces of that, but it also has some ignorance and kind of stupid curiosity in it, too. And a good way to look at that is you could look at someone who's walking into sin. Let's say they go, and I had this this person in a prayer time many years ago. He was 22. He was raised in a godly, holy family. And he said, I'm here because my parents made me, which is never a good way to pray with someone. But I'm willing. I'm like, do you want to be here a little bit? He's like, I'm doing this because they asked me to. I know what's right. I have no wounding, no trauma. They're great parents. But I'm going to go my own way. And he kind of laid out what that was going to look like, a very 22-year-old own way to just kind of see what the other side looked like in life. And so that's sin. He knowingly did that. I often sit with similar people who ended up in a really bad kind of situation that had they known over here that it was going to look like that, I think addictions are a really good example of this. Like someone who just starts to experiment with alcohol because they're in a season where they need to either numb or feel something. And they're not trying to become addicted and an alcoholic. They're just sort of ignorantly investigating. And then something kicks in. Before they know it, they're in AA and they've lost their family. So that looks more like entanglement. Is there sin there? Probably. But there's some other things going on too. And if you sit with an addict and just go, you've sinned, you're not going to catch it all. Um, you're actually not going to catch the root and most of what's there. It's why the lost sheep is different from the prodigal. Like the lost sheep will wander off because that's just what they do. And once you're stuck in the briars and hanging off a cliff, you're like, this is way worse than I ever thought it would be. The sheep didn't start off sinning. The sheep wandered from the flock, which maybe has some sin elements in there, but they didn't know. So anyone that gets caught in something where, had you said, this is where it's going to end up, in addiction, in divorce, you know, and all these kind of end of the story things. That's the difference between the two. And we just handle it. Our heart posture with the Lord is really different than just straight sin. And entanglement is going to have pieces of what was I looking for that I wasn't even aware of. Sin is, I know what I'm looking for, and it's not the holy thing, and peace out, I'll see you later. This is, there's some, something driving me to these things, and I need the good shepherd to put me up here on his shoulder so I have his vantage point as to why I got there in the first place. Sometimes, too, entanglement is more like in the air. It's just what you breathe and what you know, especially generational things where you see just a whole line of family things that look the same all the way up to great-great-great-grandma, and you go, well, what's that? That wasn't necessarily sin, although sin was in there. There's some other things playing out, too. I don't know if that's a helpful. Can you give some examples of that? Yeah, so you see a whole family line that every generation, it's infidelity. And you go, what's going on there? Or every generation is hardcore racist. There's a lot of that, especially in the South. And you go, okay, that's what is that? Where did that come from? It's certainly not holy. And why does it perpetuate till someone says, enough? This is the international symbol for breaking entanglements. You sever it. Um, I actually, late last night, was with someone who, um, I'm going to 
just, you don't have to record anymore. I just leave it like that. You could identify pretty, pretty quickly a sin. There are generational things that are kind of passed down ignorantly. There are patterns that have some element of sin, but also some elements of wounding and some elements of just this is who we are, this is who I am. And it's never really been put on the altar to go, but is this holy? Is this right? And so... You know, there are a lot of, I had someone one time in a prayer time say, I know this is going to happen to me because of what my family did and what I've done. And I was like, hey, if what you've done makes this happen every time, then there would be a lot of people that looked like you. And so we can't get formulaic about, I, I think it's prudent to go, did I sin? Did my family sin? Like, those are good questions to ask the Lord anytime. But there's something about entanglement that just kind of hides under the surface. It looks different than sin. Sometimes it's just more an atmosphere. I mean, have you, I'm sure some of you guys were just home in your hometowns for Thanksgiving. I know in, and I'm not going to say if it's me or my husband, but in one of our hometowns with one of our families, they talk about the, the, the curse. And it's this curse that's not a curse, but it's, it's bitterness. Like, and it came from a, a great-grandma. And you go, well, what's that? And you see it play out all the way down. It's like you kind of accept it as your own, and you're tied to it. Um, Well, I'm going to be just like Granny, whoever, fill in the blank. She was like that. Dad was like that. I'm like that. And you go, well, what's that? That's not holy. So, yeah. Other thoughts? That's a great question. It's one of my favorite to answer. It's weird to say I love entanglement. I don't love entanglement. But I think we have to have eyes for it because it's how we deal with our own hearts and the hearts of others. Again, just think logically. You can't sit with an addict and who's all the way down the road, completely chemically, emotionally, spiritually, physically addicted and go, stop sinning. Because by that time, they're so far gone. There's more going on than just sin. It's tied. They're, they're, it's like there is a chain around their ankle holding them to the wall, and they're desperate to get out. And so there's other things to kind of come around. Generationally, it's the same, too. You've got to love your generations and speak mercy, but you don't have to keep the unholy things. You can <laughs> cut it off. So, yeah. It seems like there's, um, it seems like the idea of entanglement creates an opportunity for compassion. Absolutely. Whereas when it's named sin, that's it's harder to experience yeah. that compassion both for yourself and for somebody else. I, I think that's really true, especially you think about some of the things I just mentioned and how hard it is to have <laughs> compassion sometimes for those. Um, but you think about a shepherd that takes on the burden and the dirt and the muck and the mire of the sheep that got lost and caught. Um, that's Same with sin. I mean, the good father comes running foolishly, skirts in hand. I mean... The end result of all of these is great mercy and compassion. It's just in most of our church upbringing, we, we've kind of struggled on how to get there. But you're right. Like entanglement gives you a different lens for how to help, how to see it, how to carry it. Yeah. I have a quick question because you brought this up about my parents made me come. For someone having a senior about to launch, um, or whoever that might be. Um, Hypothetically. Hypothetically, <laughs> in theory. Um, and, well, and you did the class, I know, but that I, we sent uh, several girls to, mm-hmm. a one-week thing in the summer, which was great, just yeah. to get tools. Yeah. Do you have a recommendation for, there are lots of parents in this room, yeah. for um, how to approach that um, 
if it hasn't been a prayer spa type yeah. home. Yeah, got it. So <laughs> you approach it kind of like a graduation gift. Like you could look at your hypothetical senior and you could say... His name's Ben. <laughs> I know it's Ben. <laughs> I know who he is. Um, you could look at him and you could say, hey, you're about to launch. We're still here. You're obviously going to come home, but this is actually when your faith becomes your own. You could take this as a gift to yourself to kind of really make sure that you know how to get to God because there are going to be things in school where you're going to have to get to God. I know with my own senior who's now a sophomore in college, I just looked at him and I was like, what do you not want to take with you when you go? And that was all it took. It was like one little thing. But we just did it real fast. And he's like, I'm good. And then he's turning around now and doing that with discipleship groups of guys. Like, little. So you could say it's just a gift. Like, you could give this gift to yourself. And mom and dad are not going to know about it because those are the rules. Like, not going to tell you. So, yeah, just a gift. Like, learn how to be really connected and just deal with anything you don't want to take with you when you go to this next phase. Every time. Significant kind of. Yeah, significant moments, and it's not you're really messed up, and mom and dad think you've got some major stuff. It's this is a gift to get connected. Yeah, good question. Any other questions? I love these questions. I'm sweating a little bit, but I love them. Any other things from the chapters you've read? All right. Well, we're going to launch into 13 and 14. I'm going to try to do them all kind of together, but I do want you to go back and look at it because we'll only get so far today. Um, the motivation for writing Laying Aside Burdens was really my own wrestling with some scriptures, sort of like your question about what's the difference between sin and entanglement. I looked at that Hebrews 12 verse that starts that chapter, and it's let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And I was like, everything that hinders, is that sin? Does it start as sin? And why does it say, and the sin? So this felt like something different to me, especially when I put it in light, kind of in connection with other verses, like, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I'm like, okay, weary and heavy laden, is that sin? Maybe a little bit, but this feels a little different from just straight-up rebellion. This feels like carrying something that you would need to exchange. And so as I looked at verses like those, and I really anchored that chapter off those two verses, it looked like not only was there a promise of rest in something lighter, but there was a different kind of exchange than what you do when you're wounded or you're in sin or you have tangled up in something you didn't mean to get tangled up in, or even ungodly beliefs. There's some sort of exchange with the Lord in this, and there's promises on the other side. And I started to think about my own life, started to think about many people who I've, I've been in prayer times with, and there were things that would come up that had elements of those categories that you walked through in earlier chapters in the book, but we couldn't deal with them the same. If you're burdened, if you're hindered, if you're carrying something too heavy, you can't go repent, maybe, but there's a reason that you're carrying it. And normally the reason is a decent reason. So what we carry typically can have some pure 
motivations. It can have some good things, um, but they can get heavy when we carry them like tight gripped like this or carry them in a way that we shouldn't. So for example, I love my mom, but my mom is losing her memory um, slowly but surely. And if I start to carry her memory loss like this, I'm going to be that controlling firstborn daughter that knows exactly what needs to happen. And I'm going to start bossing my parents because I know what's best for them. And it's like this. And I walk around in my day with this thing right under the surface. The motivation there is good. It's out of great love for her that I'm, I'm losing my mom before I lose her. But it can jump over into an unhealthy burden when I start carrying it in a way that's not weighted correctly. Similarly, and Catherine kind of gave me a, a ball on the tee there, if you have teenagers, and I have a handful in my house, mm -hmm. and you look at them and you go, I want them to be radical followers of Jesus. I want them to walk differently than the world, and I know who they are and who they're supposed to be, and I start to tight grip their little hands and go, so you must do it like this. You must walk it in this narrow road that I have paved for you because it looks just like mine. And every other possible road to get there, we're going to do this because they're not the right roads. Well, that, that burden of child rearing is a really good God-given burden until we, till we go like this. So these are often things that are purely motivated at their core and they get in our hands and they get a tight noose around them and we're walking around feeling physically heavy and mentally distracted because these burdens can take over. They're not bad things that we carry, we just start to carry them in ways that aren't quite right. Truly what we're doing is taking God's role. Like, I love my mom, I love my kids, but I can start to become quasi-omnipotent when I'm like, this is how it's going to play out, and it's got to play out this way, or it's not right. And I'm, I'm stepping into God's responsibility there instead of staying in my lane as daughter and mother. And so I just want you to think for a second about burdens that you carry. I'm sure you could come up with them pretty quickly, especially if you went home for Thanksgiving or had people in your house. It's pretty primed. And so just think about burdens that aren't bad, but you're carrying them heavy. And I would love for some brave souls to just, in your own definition, in your own detail, speak to some of those burdens that you carry that tend to take over. They kind of take up your thoughts. They take up weight on your person. Just name some for me. Anxiety over security. Yeah. Decent burden that we all understand, especially in the median age of this room. Anxiety with security. What's that going to look like? What else? You guys are burden-free. <laughs> I can list off a few more. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm going to make some other people participate. I'll call on people, too, if necessary, but I'll come back. I would say the schedule, keeping, keeping the household running. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which takes some skill set for sure, but it can kind of just sit right here. Yeah, what else? We have um, children and a family history that's just rampant with addiction. And so I have a lot of fear about You're like, mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What else? 
I think just children generally. Looking at, at the, uh, I mean, it could be if you have young kids, which I guess we have one, but uh, we were just talking this weekend of all of the, um, I don't know if it's social media, the internet, the idea of everything that's out there, the growing up exposure to things that are well beyond our control. Well beyond. It's just, yeah. It's hard to, to provide an environment that's safe. Oh, yeah. And developmentally appropriate. Uh, yes, I think we can all relate there, especially those that have, have launched kids or are about to launch kids or will launch kids. I made the mistake of looking at my junior who's taking quite a different route schooling-wise most likely than the one that went before her. And I said, okay, if you go to this school, you have to join this discipleship group. And my husband looked at me, he's like, because <laughs> I was like, okay, you can go there, but this is how we're going to do it. And he's like, That's, she's, she's going to do the opposite just because you told her that. And so, like, because I'm like, there's a lot out there. It's, again, the burden of raising sons and daughters to be sons and daughters in a very broken world. Absolutely. What else? Any others? A son-in-law who has left the faith and is an atheist. Yes. Yeah. Phenomenal burden. It happens. It happens even if you did everything well. It happens. Yeah. It's the worst nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you hold that? How do you hold that daily? So we're going to take like five minutes, and I'm just going to walk you through. It's like practice in the room of how to exchange the burden. And I'm going to anchor off those scriptures that I mentioned in Hebrews and Matthew and just step by step it. This is your time. Like, you're about to step back into those weeks right after Thanksgiving before Christmas. Wouldn't it feel good to have some burdens offloaded? So I just encourage you to take this as yours. I'm not going to make you talk to me about it afterward unless you want to. But it's just learning how to do the exchange. As we did before, I'm going to play music. Not because the music is like, woo, special music. Although it is really beautiful. It's my number one Spotify playlist music, but it's just so you have music, so if you need to shift in your seat or cough, you're not embarrassed to do that, because it, it'll get really quiet in here doing this, and I just want you to have it. Also, like we talked about the first week that I was here, music helps you pray, because it just unlocks that, this side, this side of the brain, and if we just stay over here, we're not whole-minded and we're not wholehearted, so I'm a big fan of instrumental music when I pray. It helps me kind of keep a cadence. It keeps the conversation going. So we're going to exchange a burden. I just want you, before we do this, think of the number one burden that you're holding right now. Again, these can start really purely motivated. They're motivated out of love and compassion and care. Just think about the burden that you have. And don't be vague. Really name it in your heart. And I just want you to close your eyes and just think about that invitation from God, from the Good Shepherd, to come to Him. And so just however it looks or feels, however you sense it, go to the Lord right now, holding the burden out to Him.
and really get your spiritual eyes and spiritual ears on the Good Shepherd. Picture him, sense him, however you do that, and drawing near. And I just want you to hold out the burden and name it. You can say, Jesus, this is the thing that I carry around in my mind and my heart all day. This is the thing that keeps me up at night. And just take stock for a moment of his countenance. How does he feel about you when you bring it to him? How does he see you? How does he see the burden? And you can tell him how you feel carrying this burden. Maybe you feel like it's suffocating. Maybe you feel like you can't carry it, but you choose to pick it up every day because it feels like it's part of you. Maybe you feel hopeless in it. Just be honest. Tell him. And this is where confession and repentance is so sweet. Just tell him every place where you're trying to do his job for him. Any place where you're carrying the burden, where you have tried to be him and carry it full force, see the future, see the motives. Just tell him, God, I'm sorry. I've been trying to do your job with this. I I recognize that. And if you can do it, however this looks or feels for you, hand him the whole burden. Because he has to have it in his hands. You have to submit it to him so he can hand you back the part that you're supposed to carry. So just say, Jesus, I trust you. I am handing you this burden because in my hands it got off-weighted. Really, like just for a moment, feel what it feels like to not have it in your hands. To trust him with the entirety of it. Let him hold it. And then the beauty of the God that we serve and call Father is that he knows that you're supposed to carry it in part. He says, take my yoke 
and learn from me. And so just tell him, I want to carry the part of this that I'm supposed to. I want to learn how to carry it well. Not taking your job, not taking parts of it that don't belong to me. So just ask him, show me what it is that I carry. Show me how to carry it. I want you to teach me how to carry this burden. You can ask him for specifics if you need it. It could be things like, Jesus, how do you want me to carry this? What's the part of it that I'm supposed to carry? What's it called? Part of the ways we get into trouble with carrying burdens is that we feel like we have to do it at a distance. Because we're trying to do God's job, we get far away from him. So just recommit with this piece of the burden he's asked you to hold. God, I choose to carry this near to you so you can teach me daily, hourly. I don't want to carry my peace. I don't want to wear my yoke that's easy separated from you. I want to be right here. just ask him, God, what does it look like to walk in rest? That's the promise. Rest. This burden is still a burden, but it's lighter when I hold the peace you want me to in the way that you want me to. God, show me what it looks like to find rest for my soul in the middle of a burden that's heavy. you can thank him for any peace that he showed you, for any name that he named. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. It's not lost on me that we could spend like an hour and a half just doing more of that. Like we all have tons of burdens that we carry and if it hits something, if it unlocks something, that's just the Lord's goodness. Like he'll finish what he started in that. Um, I will tell you that I do that kind of thing all the time Um, because I can get pretty burdened. Um, Lots of small burdens, you know, very personal burdens and then big, big burdens, especially for other people and what they're walking. And I have to get close to the Lord and I... This is what my prayer life looks like. If you're curious in my own house, I'm doing this. It's this all the time. Like, you've got to take this. And normally when I pass it, and this is just a little hint, you can adopt it if you want to. What the Lord speaks to me is, 
Jen, I love your heart to carry this, but you are trying to do my job. And if you would worry less and intercede more, you would probably be much better off. So often the exchange doesn't look like separating your heart from it. It looks like intercession. And we tend to just kind of sit in our worry and even sit in our worry and call it prayer. Like you got to get on your face and go, Lord, Lord, like I need you to hold this. I need you to transform this. I need you to restore this. And it looks like intercession. And that actually is strangely often the lighter burden. You still carry it, but it's caring like this. I'm talking to him. I'm pitching it to him. We're in conversation. It's not me going, I got to make this, this work. Any thoughts about that quick little exchange, carrying the burden? Anybody want to share something significant or vague um, that the Lord did in that time? I promise you what you share will benefit others. Yeah. I was envisioning him you know, holding me, handing off a huge whatever, space of whatever, and he absorbed it. Yeah. He brought it to himself and absorbed it, and then he handed me back a little pebble. Yeah. Like, he's great at absorbing boulders. Like, no big deal for him. Yeah. That's really common. I've seen people have that, that exact description of he absorbs the thing. It's like, not even work for him. And it was, I just want to say, it was really helpful to hear that it's not that we have to... We need to give over him to handle, to handle it, to take care of it. It's not a burden to carry, but that we don't have to completely separate. Right. There can be something still. I think that's always been a, any time I've heard, like, hand your burdens over. I'm like, but how is that? They're my kids. <laughs> right, like, right. Realistic to actually do that without right. an action to follow up with. So that was super helpful to know, like, Good. okay, I don't have to feel the burden, but I can still acknowledge it. Yeah. Like there's, there's something that's really challenged me in those, those passages that you're still yoked. There's still something harnessed on you, for lack of a better word, but you can move with it. Like you can do the things that you're supposed to do. It's not disconnected. It's just normally I'm like, I will take all the yoke, the harness, the saddle, and the donkey. Like they are mine now. And, and that exchange is really important. Yeah, and that question good. you asked was, what piece of this is mine to carry? Yeah, yeah. It's what, what's my easy yoke? It's still <clears throat> attached to you. It's still something you're holding. Mm-hmm. But what's the, the easy yoke there? Yeah, there's lots of ways to ask it. Mm-hmm. it, it your point is really important. You're not completely disconnected. Mm-hmm. You're just doing your job instead of often God's job is who we're trying to do. Yeah. Other thoughts? Things that the Lord showed. Yes, ma'am. So, like, I'm probably with a lot of us. I mean, it, it's my children, right, that I'm picturing, and I'm, I'm giving them over, right, like giving them back. Yeah. Anyway. But, um, you know, and and for me, like, being super emotional is, like, not something that I'm comfortable with. But so, like, just to see their faces, like, they're afraid. Mm-hmm. But <coughs> to Jesus, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah. It's really good. And that was, that was, because that is something that I know, you know, I, I'm always afraid for them, mm-hmm. always trying to put parameters, always, okay, please, 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 you know, to make right. this good decision, please love Jesus, please love Jesus. Right. Like, okay, I wake up and that is my first thought. Oh my goodness. Right. What about, how am I going to do this? How, what, what more can I do? What can I do? And just that picture of how afraid they were mm-hmm. in my hands, mm. but if I hand them over, 
then I'm not afraid neither they. Mm, and that so that's a much more attractive Jesus yeah. than, than me hanging on to them so tightly and saying, no, 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 don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It's like, if, if I'm free, right? Yeah. then they will want to be free as well. Yeah. Thank you for your transparency there, because you just changed everybody's parenting in this room, <laughs> truly, because if we, if we walk in that kind of freedom... And Jesus is so inviting and so attractive and our everything unafraid. You know, there's something to that. It's really powerful. Thank you. very similar to that kids and just a sense of like giving them to him. He welcomes them, you know, welcomes them kind of under his uh, folds of his garment. And then we love to go to the beaches, you know, and it's like, it was like, my piece to carry really just looking for shells. And it's like the idea of like just celebrating, just celebrating when they see something go, when I see something, just, just celebrating as the yoke to carry. It wasn't, Right. Yeah. It's so good. Changes everything. It really does. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Yes. Related to what they're saying as well. And my piece of hearing was just focusing on my relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an aroma. It kind of draws them in. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. So simple. Like, I was watching the clock when we did it, like five minutes. You could do this daily and exchange the burden. With my kids, the, the, the prayer that often comes out of my mouth is, and it's a declaration to run, remind my heart, like, Lord, you love them more than I do. And I'm like, I know you do. That's a tall order. Like, no, you really do. You love them more than I do. You knew them before I knew them. Like, you know, like you've got them. And so just that declaration, and it's, it's kind of hands off to take back the part that I'm supposed to carry as a parent. Yeah. So I encourage you to do this, especially in the season. It's about those verses when you look at chapter 13. It's about the exchange. It's not a cutting off. It's just an exchange and carrying something rightly. The other piece of this, and I'm just going to touch on it for a couple minutes before we go, chapter 14 is on casting crowns not the band, but the actual act of casting crowns. And I, this, this chapter, I think, over even the last year, has become the most important to me. And it's really just a gauge of how to kind of litmus test your Christian journey. Because we have a lot of things. This is a very, I know some of you, this is a very professional, well-educated, um, doing-good-things room. And so we have a lot of crowns that get placed on our heads, whether it's your job or what you do at church or what you do in the community. And some of those crowns are really holy and last, and some of those crowns are pretty worldly and feel good and sound good, but they're not going to hold up. And so the goal in chapter 14, and I, I beg you to look at it, because if you can take the crowns mentioned there as the litmus test for everything you do, you're going to end up on the other side looking like you want to look. And our, our knee-jerk reaction with the crowns that are holy, that last, is to hand them back to Jesus, to throw them back to Jesus. Again, my prayer life looks like this all the time. Like even the really good things that are holy, Jesus, I'm just handing them back to you. They're yours. It's your worth it. It's your glory. It's your honor. Those crowns, just so you can start thinking about them, they are going to look like, and I've been told by many, especially in churches like this, that we weren't talking about this growing up. I wasn't either. I just came across it over the years, and I'm like, wait a second. This is actually really important. We should be talking about it. 
There's crowns or crowns of righteousness for those who love and anticipate the second coming of Christ. If you are not thinking about that, you need to. Because if that's your true north and everything you do is about he will return and when and am I ready, everything else is just gravy. Like that's a crown. That crown holds up. Crown of glory for shepherding the flock well. For some of you, you shepherd flock here. You shepherd flock in your home. You shepherd flock in your work. Like there's a crown for shepherding well. That's a really important one. There's an imperishable crown for those who practice self-denial and self-control in the Christian race. That's a whole other topic that spans wide. What does that look like when we deny ourselves? There's a crown there. There's a crown for persevering under trial. We all have them. Our brothers and sisters in other countries have them way worse. They're getting those crowns right now. You should be a little jealous for the crowns that they're getting. That sounds weird, but it's biblical. Like, they're getting crowns that we haven't even, we don't even know how to get those. We probably will at some point. We're pretty sheltered here in America. Our other brothers and sisters are not. They are getting crown after crown right now. I know many of them, and they're doing it well. Crown of rejoicing for spreading the gospel. There's a crown there. Um, so it's, it should be a little convicting. It convicts me every time I study it. Like, if my life is based on these crowns, Most theologians say there's five. I could make a case for six. Go for five and six could be bonus. Like if we just get three of these, like this should be the litmus test for how we do the Christian walk. Um, And so you can go, are the things I'm doing, are these eternal crowns? I remember um, several years ago, over 10 years ago, I was speaking somewhere and just starting to play with this idea because it was convicting me. And I said something like, all that stuff, it's all going to burn. And my husband was like, you did not say that to that room. I was like, I did, because it's going to. Like, we do so much stuff that's not going to hold up. Those hold up. And so look at your life and go, Lord, I want those crowns. And as soon as you put them on my head on the other side, I'm going to toss them just like the elders around the throne. They're doing this all day long. We should be doing the same. But looking at those crowns is the goal. So I wish I had more time to, to sit with that. But you know where to find me. I'm happy to talk through it. It's been a joy to just spend some time this morning again. What a great class. What great leaders. And I hope that this um, just gets you close to God. That was the goal. So thank you.